Hello, everyone. It's Monday, November 23rd. You know what time it is. It's time for the Sports Wagon Podcast. How's everyone doing today? It's quiet at the ranch. It is Monday evening and got a lot for you today. A lot of things going on here. Uh, college football. So we'll talk a little bit about week 12, week 13 uh, coming up with a large slew of games that we'll go through. I'll just kind of talk through the games. Um, a couple of the games will kind of lead me into the big story today, talking about uh, the recycling of coaches, especially in the college ranks, college basketball, college football, of course, at the pro level. Um, also want to uh, look at some news and notes from the NBA. So first, let's start off with the NFL. So from yesterday, so not all the action, but some games of note here. So uh, let's start with some of the teams in the NFC East who were in competition yesterday. So the Browns defeat the Philadelphia Eagles 22 to 17. Cleveland uh, returned an interception for a touchdown and they had a one rushing touchdown in their victory. Uh, Dallas Cowboys beat the uh, Minnesota Vikings 31 to 28. Andy Dalton 22 for 32, 302 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. The Washington football team, they defeat the Cincinnati Bengals 20 to nine. Um, in that game, Joe Burrow, the first pick of the draft, 22 for 34, 203 yards and a touchdown, but suffered a massive knee injury. Sources are currently saying that he has injured his anterior and medial cruciate ligaments, plus structural uh, damage to his knee. So right now, it is looking not very good for Joe Burrow, considering that the aforementioned Andy Dalton was their backup. They you know, sent him off during the offseason from Cincinnati. He signed with Dallas. And Cincinnati does not currently have a veteran quarterback signed to the roster. So that is bringing up a lot of conversation. Of course, Colin Kaepernick's name is coming back up. And, well, we all know how many people feel about Colin Kaepernick. Now, I would be very pleased if Cincinnati were to take a risk on Colin Kaepernick. Because, again, like I said, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to probably go out and find some veteran who hasn't played in a year or two, somebody who's washed up, or you might find a halfway decent veteran to sign. But my guess is they're going to go out and find the worst person they can find to play quarterback, as opposed to going out and giving Colin Kaepernick a chance because, hey, it's the NFL. But nevertheless, we'll see how the story develops. But um, they will need a veteran uh, to come in and try to help right, help keep the ship afloat. I won't say right the ship, kind of help keep the ship afloat. You know, the Bengals are two and two seven and one in the AFC North. So I mean, you know, how much better is this going to get? They've played ten games. They roughly have about six games, six or seven games left to play uh, in the season. I mean, looking at their stats, I mean, you know, the, the the record alone tells you everything you need to know. Um, the Carolina Panthers defeat the. Detroit Lions 20 to nothing. PJ Walker, uh, 24 for 34, 258 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. So if I recall correctly, this gentleman who is starting for the Panthers, uh, he was in the XFL uh, prior to uh, its demise. So he comes on for the Panthers. I believe Teddy Bridgewater was injured. So he comes on and uh, just has a masterful, masterful performance uh, for uh, the Carolina Panthers, who currently are 4-7-0 and in the, in the NFC South, so they're currently in third place. I mean, you know, again, another team that just needs to just finish out their games. I mean, I mean, there's probably very little chance they're going to make uh, anything. There's very little chance they're going to make this turd look good at this point. Um, and finally, the the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, they remain undefeated. They are 10-0. They beat the um, Jacksonville Jaguars 27-3. Um, the Steelers had four defensive interceptions. Ben, Roethlis, ben Roethlisberger goes 32 for 46, 267 yards, two touchdowns, and he threw one pick. Currently, Monday Night Football, the Rams and the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay are tied seven apiece. They're about eight minutes and 46 seconds in the second quarter. The Rams currently have the ball. So, I mean, that game is ongoing. We'll kind of keep our eye on it as we move forward into the show. Um, so next, let's talk a little bit about college football. So last week I picked six games and well, you know, uh, some weeks you're the fly and some weeks you're the windshield. I mean, uh, last week I, I think I 
picked uh, eight games. I think it went seven and one. So I uh, had, had a great chance to go eight and no, but but that Nebraska Penn State, that Nebraska pick is going to haunt me for the rest of the freaking year. I should have stuck with that initial pick. You heard me. If you listen to the show, you heard me pick Nebraska. And I said, I don't know. I changed my mind, went to Penn State, thinking Penn State was going to get that first win, and they didn't. So nevertheless, I went three and three this week. So um, I got Northwestern over Wisconsin. I took uh, Ohio State over Indiana. That was kind of a easy game to pick. However, let's note, let's give Indiana some props. Indiana, um, don't know where their ranking fell to after that loss because uh, Ohio State was third, Indiana was ninth. So uh, a top 10 matchup was the first time this past uh, Saturday they met in Columbus. First time these two teams met as a top 10 matchup. Um, and it's I, I think it's fair to say that you know, when you looked at this game on paper, Ohio State was a 20 and a half point favorite. And you're thinking, OK, this is going to be a blowout. And I'm watching the game. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, Indiana is hanging with these guys. So Tom Allen, their head coach, has just done a really good job of recruiting. Now, again, is he going to recruit at the level of, as Ohio State? Mm, not really. However, what you can say about this team is they have closed up the gap. In other words, if this were any other year, if this were three years ago, this would no one would have paid attention to this game. This was the noon game on Fox, which, you know, noon isn't really necessarily the best time slot. But this game garnered a lot of attention because Indiana's been playing very well. They've been playing very good football. They got a ninth ranking. I'm sure they probably dropped probably somewhere in the middle of the pack here. Um, but uh, the other piece here is that, again, by playing Ohio State so close, you know, they, you know, managed to make a statement here. So Indiana, I think, is, you know, trending upward in the Big Ten. And, you know, I think it's going to be you know fun to watch how this is going to proceed over the next few years. I think this game will do a lot for their recruiting and helping them to kind of get more players in to kind of get them on a footing that most people probably wouldn't have seen because as i mentioned last week you know most people know indiana as a basketball school although to be fair i don't think indiana has been really the basketball school that at least i knew them to be for a little while now but again you know we're seeing you know that that switch you know indiana is you know becoming more football school which i think a lot of people appreciate um, and then, of course, I got the USC over Utah game. Uh, this was that was actually Utah's first game of the season. Uh, remember that the Pac-12 had they're the last um, conference to start. USC, I think this was their third game. Uh, yeah, I believe this is their third game. This is their first game for Utah. So Utah had some cancellations um, due to COVID, and so that kind of uh, you know wasn't in their favor. And of course, the three games I got wrong: uh, Oklahoma beat Oklahoma State. NC State v. Liberty, very close game. So it was a good game, very close. And it, that game was was tough to pick because, you know, NC State, I think, is, is very surprising this year. Um, you expect them to be good. Um, you expect them to be good. Now, last year, they weren't very good. A lot of people thought that, you know, this might be the end of the road for Dave Doran. And I think I may have mentioned that on a couple of occasions um, on the show. And I watched them play. Uh, a few weeks ago, and I, I noted that their offensive coordinator, Tim Beck, so he got uh, dismissed as the offensive coordinator at Texas. He comes, to, he comes to Raleigh, and he is literally throwing the playbook, the whole playbook, at any team that they go up against. I mean, they have, you know, uh, their quarterback, their quarterback got hurt. They have a backup. He's doing a great job, but um, they've got some weapons. And um, and they're pretty good on defense, too. So, I mean, um, that one, I kind of want to lean more towards Liberty. You know, Hugh Freeze um, doing some really good stuff at Liberty. So I'll talk a little bit more uh, more about Hugh Freeze in a little bit. And then the Michigan Rutgers game. Now, again, this was Michigan trying to and we want to talk about riding the ship. This is Michigan really trying to write the ship, because I think if Rutgers had pulled this out and note this game went to overtime. So this game was much closer than people expected. I think Michigan were seven and a half point favorites. This game went to overtime. So that tells you two stories. Number one, Rutgers has gotten better, relatively speaking, to last season. Secondly, Michigan is really just at the, I mean, 
I don't know if they've hit rock bottom yet. I mean, considering what we've seen, they're pretty close. Now, had they lost to Rutgers, I think that would have been rock bottom. And at that point, there would have been there would have had to have been some decisions made. So again, I'll kind of come back and circle back around to that in a little bit here. Um, so for this coming week, so this coming week is going to be fun. So I got 11 games I'm looking at. I think I'm only going to pick 10 of these games. One of these games I'm uh, pointing out because it falls under our rival, rivalry week uh, set of games. So with COVID, because of the um, conferences basically saying we're going to play conference only schedules, you know, there's, you know, some teams have filled in uh, slots with um, uh, out of conference teams. So, so in some cases, some teams are playing out of conference competition, you know, maybe to fill in the game, but the vast majority of the competition is in conference. A lot of the games that would happen between in-state rivals. So for example, Georgia and Georgia Tech is not going to happen this year because they're in two different conferences. However, we will see a lot of rivalries that are in-state or cross-state that are in conference. So that will make for an interesting um, rivalry week. And we're spreading a lot of these games out over the next few weeks. Typically, rivalry week starts around Thanksgiving. It goes for about a couple weeks. Then we see conference championships. And then usually to end the season, we'll have Army-Navy. Army-Navy, I think, is actually coming up in a couple weeks, if I'm not mistaken. So that's going to be, and as we mentioned, that's going to be at West Point instead of Philadelphia, where it commonly is. Um, because of the long weekend, we've got uh, three three days worth of games. Uh, start with Friday. So it's Friday, Iowa State. The Cyclones head to Austin to take on Texas. Number 15, Iowa State. Number 20, Texas. Texas are two and a half point favorites. Um, also, Notre Dame, number two. Heads to Chapel Hill to take, number, take on number 25, UNC. They are Notre Dame are four and a half point favorites. Um, two rivalry games on Friday. Stanford heads to Berkeley to take on Cal, who are two and a half point favorites for the Stanford Axe. Last year, Cal won the Axe back. I believe they broke a, I believe one, I want to say it's a four game win, six game win streak. Anyway, they broke Stanford's winning streak in the rivalry game. So Cal currently holds the Stanford Axe. And Stanford, I think, would like to take the axe back to the farm in Palo Alto. Um, and then Oregon goes to Corvallis to take on Oregon State. So that rivalry is now in search of a new name. So um, that rivalry used to be called the Civil War. Um, they have decided that that name is no longer appropriate. I can agree with that. I, I, I'll accept that. Um, Oregon are 13 and a half point favorites against their arch rivals, the Beavers. Uh, they'll play on Friday, uh, Saturday. So we've got a nice group of games here. Uh, Virginia, 10 and a half point favorites go to Tallahassee to play Florida State. And let's make a quick note here for Florida State. So Florida State was scheduled to play Clemson this past Saturday. And due to a miss, uh, kind of a disagreement between the medical staffs of both Clemson and Florida State, the game was canceled. So it boiled down to a player who um, they, the understanding that I have is the player initially, I'm gonna make sure, I hope I'm getting the story correct. The player initially, he showed signs of COVID. He initially tested negative and then had positive tests. The player traveled with the team. The, the player was properly isolated um, and the player had practiced with the team that week. So there are protocols in place per conference. The ACC has a standard set of protocols, but the medical staffs could not agree on whether it was safe for both teams to play considering they had this, this situation with this one player. The game was canceled. So that happened about 9 a.m. on Saturday, this past Saturday. Um, so that was big news. Um, the game was at noon. Um, so there's kind of been some drawing back and forth between the head coaches. So more so from Dabble Sweeney at Clemson, you know, he's making all these wild accusations that, oh, well, Florida State didn't want to play us. And Mike Norvell's like, yeah, we wanted to play, but, you know, I'm a football coach. I'm not a doctor. Like, I want the doctors to make these decisions because, again, you know, me speaking here, we're playing in the middle of a pandemic. So, I mean, if there's any doubt, I mean, 
again, I've said this time and time again, if players or anyone who got infected with this virus turned purple when they got infected, that's easy. Oh, okay, you're infected, you go away. But because people are asymptomatic, now in this case, this guy was symptomatic. So my whole thing is, if he's symptomatic, then why didn't you, you know, this is kind of my thought for Clemson. Why didn't y'all just tell him, go, you know, see, see the medical staff, you know, you get tested and we isolate you. You stop practicing. But at the same time, too, then you got to worry about the rest of the team that he's been that he's been around. But, you know, this could have been an issue that could have been resolved, that could have been resolved. I mean, apparently, if the team made the trip, there were enough bodies that everyone came up negative. But you had this one player. He'd been around other players. So, again, you know, I, I just find it. I had a whole episode about, you know, Dabble Sweeney and his, um, I, I called it the uh, sports wagon sprint called Dabble Sweeney's BLM problem. But I'm starting to think that Dabble Sweeney just kind of likes, you know, poking the bear a little bit. You know, he's kind of, kind of challenging Mike Norvell, the head coach of Florida State. He's kind of challenging his manhood here. And my whole thing is, you know, this really isn't about ego. This is about keeping young people healthy. If the medical staffs, again, I am no doctor. I have a little bit of a healthcare background, like a little bit, but I'm no doctor. But I typically, when it comes to these things, I defer to people who are smarter than me. If I am a football coach or football coaches in general, and Mike Norvell said this, I'm, I'm not a doctor, I'm a football coach. And you defer to people who are smarter than you. If the medical staff says there might be a problem here, go take it and go you know we'll play another time or you know we'll make this happen another time but you know norvell tried to reach out to sweeney you know they weren't able to connect for other of a reason you know i've got my suspicions there i'm not gonna go into it but you know i, I just really think that that is a very immature stance to take you know i, I mean it's like what, what's the problem i mean so so you miss a game i mean okay you know you have this potential that you could infect a lot of people and make a lot of guys sick considering now Florida State got that Saturday that they didn't play, but they got to turn around and prepare for a new team. So Virginia coming in on Saturday and hopefully that will happen, but they got to prepare for a brand new team considering they just spent a week preparing for a team that they're not going to play due to this issue. So this virus is really still, you know, very much so making playing sports very difficult in a lot of ways. And we're going to see that happening with the college basketball season. I suspect that that's going to happen. There's already been a number of cancellations coming up with the season starting in a couple days. Um, there are some other programs that have suspended activities because of COVID. So, I mean, until we can finally do what we need to do to get this thing under control, we're gonna, this is going to happen. And, you know, if you're a sports fan, and you're one of those sports fans who's all about, well, I'm not wearing a mask and, you know, you're going to make all these wild uh, outbursts about, you know, you know, it's you take away my freedom and I should be able to do what I wanted to do and blah, 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 or spouting out these ridiculous facts that you read somewhere. It, it, it kills me how people read facts. They read scientific facts and don't know how to process that fact. And then turn around and just regurgitate it. It's crazy. It's like, okay, why don't you try to understand the fact that you're reading at a deeper level and then try to make sense of it before you start blurting out ridiculous things? Because that doesn't help. That is misinformation. Okay. But if you're one of these sports fans that you're not wearing your mask, and you're not doing what you're supposed to do, then be quiet. You're part of the problem. The reason we can't play a full season of something or the reason we have to resort to bubbles is because you won't do what you're supposed to do. It's just that simple. So if you want COVID to go away, if you want your life back, do what you're supposed to do and wear your mask. It's just that simple. Really, it, it really is. And stay home because the lockdown is coming. It is. And I welcome it. I totally welcome it. Um, um, Indiana. So back to, <laughs> sorry about the rant, back to the schedule here. Indiana, 
Um, they are 14 and a half point favorites. They are now number 12 in the nation. So I answer my own question. So they dropped three slots to 12. They're 14 and a half point favorites. They will visit College Park and the Maryland Terrapins. Uh, Penn State goes to Ann Arbor to take on Michigan, who are three and a half point favorites. So Penn State is 0 and 5. Michigan is 2 and 3. Um, so this is another opportunity. So Michigan has an opportunity here to get back to 500 if they beat Penn State. But if Penn State goes to Ann Arbor and gets a win, now you start to have those conversations again. So I'll kind of kind of go back to Jim Harbaugh and his situation in just a little bit. Uh, the Iron Bowl, Alabama and Auburn. Auburn goes to Tuscaloosa, where Alabama, number one in the nation, 22 ranked, 22 ranked Auburn. Uh, Alabama are 24 and a half point favorites, and they will play in the annual dust up between these two teams. So again, this is the the rivalry of rivalries. You know, you know, if you live in Alabama and you know how this works, either you're Alabama or Auburn. There's no in between, and usually, as you know, it's like oil and water. The two don't mix, but it makes for good football and it makes for great stories. Um, this is the one. This is one I'm interested in. Um, I don't think they're either team's record is that great, but Mississippi State, they go to Oxford to play Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. Uh, the Rebels are 10 and a half point favorites. So I want to be a fly on the wall. As a matter of fact, I got to go start looking. Um, if they're playing on Saturday and the teams are, you know, getting ready this week, um, I'm sure that each coach, uh, Mike Leach and uh, Lane Kiffin have had, I'm hoping they've had a press conference today. I want to hear some of that smack talk. I want to see who talks the best smack because, you know, you know, Lane Kiffin, he tweets and he talks and he gets that trash out there. Um, Mike Leach, you know, he's he, he, he's very shady. He throws a lot of shade. I mean, he's very cerebral, very smart guy, but he throws a lot of shade. So I want to see who's the best smack talker in, in, in this process, in, in this in this rivalry. Uh, between these two schools in Mississippi. So both of these games are SEC games. As I said, you know, a lot of these um, current rivalry games I mentioned, Stanford, Cal, Oregon, Oregon State, that's Pac-12, Mississippi State, uh, Ole Miss, Auburn, Alabama, all SEC. Um, One other game of note from a rivalry standpoint, and I'm just mentioning this game. I don't think I'm going to pick this game. Tennessee, who are 10.5-point favorites, go to Nashville to take on 0-7 Vanderbilt. Um, so Tennessee started two and oh, they've lost five straight. So again, kind of, there's some coaching issues there that I'll kind of get into in just a little bit. All right. So when we come back, I'll kind of hit up, hit you up with some news and notes from the NBA. There's been so many free agent movements that I either a need someone to come on the show and talk to me about it. Or I'm going to have to find some Cliff Notes version because I can't keep up. There have been so many movements with the NBA free agency. Now, remember the draft. We just had the draft almost a week ago. Now we got all the free agency stuff. And, man, teams are, man, they are stockpiling talent like you would be stockpiling wood when you know the blizzard is coming. So um, I, I can't really speak much on that, but I got a couple things, one or two things. I know one thing for sure might have another thing that has happened uh, within the last few hours um, with NBA. And then we'll talk a little college basketball. Be back in a moment. All right. Welcome back. So the one thing, so it's one thing I had. So DeMarcus Cousins has agreed to a one-year deal with the Houston Rockets. So he told Mark Spears of the undefeated, so via ESPN, um, so the Rockets, uh, so as we know, uh, Cousins is a four-time All-Star with the Kings and the Pelicans. Career averages of 21.2 points, 10.9 rebounds, 3.2 assists a game. He's had two injuries, so he had a ruptured Achilles tendon. He um, also had a torn quadriceps. Um, and I also believe he had a knee injury as well. So, right, he last season he missed with a torn ACL on his left knee. So, um, you know, this is a fantastic opportunity for uh, DeMarcus Cousins to kind of get back into the game. He can help Houston because they really need some help in rebounding. Um, so, again, this is a big move for them and a big move for um, 
for Houston. So they're hoping that he can kind of give them a little boost in the middle. So all the, so congratulations, all the best to him on that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about college basketball here. So first of all, going back to COVID. So a lot of things going on with COVID. So uh, UConn women's basketball has paused activity after a positive COVID test. Uh, a number of games on the men's side have been canceled. Um, I just saw a headline. I think I heard this this evening uh, outside of a number of games canceled. Um, teams have pulled out of a lot of these classics. I remember um, they formed a bowl at the Mohegan Sun and I think one other place. And a lot of teams have canceled games. For example, Old Miss has canceled their first four games on the men's side. They're pausing until early December. Um, Tennessee, uh, they pause activities. Head coach Rick Barnes tests positive for COVID. Um, so a number of games that have been canceled. Uh, I think uh, Virginia's first, second game rather against Florida, which would have been a really good matchup. That game's been canceled. So I think from the schedule, at least for the first day, I mean, there's at least a handful of games that are postponed and a bunch canceled overall. I can't count this real quick enough. I want to say at least 15 games are canceled, maybe more, two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 19 games. So I was close. So 19 games have been canceled uh, on the opening night of the college basketball season. There are a slew of games on the schedule. Um, and to kind of turn it back to kind of what's happening here, ESPN is going back to doing the uh the early starts about three, I'll say about three, four years ago, I was home and I turned on the TV. It's ESPN. You'll turn on them expecting sports center. And like temple is playing somebody like nine o'clock in the morning in Philadelphia. I'm going, what is happening? They have basketball all day long from like 9am to like freaking, I think they did a 48 hours, 48 hours of basketball. So they literally show basketball like around the clock for like two days. I was in heaven. It was fantastic. I was so happy. And uh, it looks like ESPN is doing something similar. Um, their first game will be showing at uh, 1130 on ESPN+. Plus. Then their games across a whole bunch of networks. And they'll be showing games all the way up until about, uh, uh, by about 930 in the evening. And then some later games with some other networks from the, from the West Coast. Um, real quick, let's do a quick overview of the college basketball season. So again, I think for me, it's kind of just kind of thinking of it two ways because I've been trying to figure out how to talk about this because, you know, I can't uh, possibly do a capsule of every conference or every team. So I looked at the top 25 on the men's and women's side. Let's start with the women. So when I looked at the top 25, I noted that there are, you know, if you want to talk about, you know, in college basketball and even football, we say, who's the best conference? And that's debatable because you typically look at, you know, the teams, the strength of schedule, the players, you know, you look at those sorts of things. Um, on the women's side, you've got, so I broke it down by conference. So the SEC and the Pac-12 each have five teams in the top 25. And that is um, quite an accomplishment. Um, the SEC, I think, has been one of the better conferences over the last few years. Um, last year, when you looked at the Pac-12, you know, you had uh, Oregon, definitely the, the the front runner there. Stanford is always in the mix. Tara Vanderveer has been at Stanford for a long time. She has a system in place. She always has great players, um, and she's won national championships. So, I mean, you know, you know, how, what else do you say? Um, then you have two from the Big East. I believe that'd be UConn, and I want to say DePaul is the other team. Uh, the Big 12 has two teams, so one of them is obviously Baylor. The ACC has four teams. Uh, oh, I kind of messed up. The Big 10 also has five teams. I think Maryland is one of them. And then the, it, we rounded out with one team from the West Coast Conference and one team from the Missouri Valley Conference. So... When you look at the breakdown that when you look at this breakdown, I kind of think of it as, OK, well, you've got three conferences that are predominant in the top 25. So they're going to have more than half of that conference, more than half of the teams in the top 25 are from these three conferences. But when I look at this, you know, I really think for my for the for the money, I'm going to say that it's really going to look at I'm looking at the SEC in the, in the Pac-12 
because those two conferences have been, you know, have been predominant in the um, the different teams have come out. The players have come out the last few years. Um, South Carolina is number one in the nation. So um, and they were playing really good basketball going into uh, into the tournament, which, as we all know, got canceled. So for my money, I felt really good about South Carolina last year. Now, no one could take any, anything against away from Oregon last season. Um, and I think I may have made this comment before, but, um, when last year's top 25 preseason came out and I think UConn was ranked third or fourth and on Twitter, I, you know, put up the, the Dave Chappelle Prince meme of him getting angry when, uh, uh, Charlie Murphy said shirts versus the blouses. And I said, this is Gina Oriama's face when he found out he was ranked third in the nation. <laughs> And so, and I'm watching UConn and they were in the American. So here's the other thing. They were in the American conference last year, which is always, which always felt like a weird fit to me. Now they're back in the big East. And I think the move was predicated on this idea that it made travel easier geographically. It made more sense. And it, and it did. I mean, you're UConn, you got to go play Tulsa. What? Like that's so bizarre. But as I'm watching the season unfold, first of all, UConn was crushing everybody in the American Conference. I forget what number. They had some insane um, points per game average that they were beating teams by. I mean, I think one time they beat a team like 100 to 25 or something. I mean, they were just, I mean, they are literally blowing teams out. Now, that's not to say that's not going to happen in the Big East. They were doing that when they were in the Big East. They were, I mean, you know, it'd be nothing to see a UConn score. They're beating a conference opponent by like 40 points in a conference game. I mean, now they go play. Baylor, they go play um, Arizona, UCLA. Okay, you're going to get, you know, a little tighter game here. Stanford, you know, it's going to be better, but they are destroying their conference opponents. So is it going to be more of the same? Probably, because again, he, you know, Gino Oriama has brought in a lot of great talent. So I think he got the best high school player this year, and I think he got one of the best this year. So, uh, um, young lady from St. John's High School here in D.C., uh, I think it's AZ Fudd. She's going to UConn. When I saw the announcement, I'm going, shocker. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, congratulations to her. She's a fantastic player. Shocker. I think she was the Gatorade Player of the Year last year. Shocker. She's going to UConn. It's like Gina Oriama gets all the great players. So, I mean, so you can see the plan that, you know, if he couldn't, mount his revenge tour last year against college basketball for ranking him fourth. He is going to unleash his fury this season on college basketball, but he's got a few teams he has to go through because he's got the talent, but they're a younger team. They got experience, but they got some young talent. So it's a nice mix that you'll see with UConn and, you know, with Gino Oriama, it's trial by fire. So, I mean, if you, if he throws you in the suck day one, you got to be ready to go. And if you're not ready to go, you're going to sit on the bench. And if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you're going to hear about it. But that is why Gino Oriema is a, a Hall of Fame coach. But the teams I'm going to be looking at on the women's side, obviously South Carolina. Uh, Dawn Staley got him to number one, uh, uh, number one ranking preseason. I think that, you know, as I said, I think they were probably the team that was probably trending in the right direction at tournament time. That's what you always want to be. You want to be on the way up, moving uh, uh, towards the tournament, trending well, uh, playing well and steady at that at that point in time. Um, looking at the Pac-12, Stanford, Arizona, Oregon, UCLA, those four teams. So those teams are really going to be in the mix um, uh, nationally. But in the Pac-12, you know, and looking at those teams, I don't know, it's something about it's something about Arizona I like. So they have an All-American candidate. I think her name is Ari McDonald. Um, I think she is going to be the, the person that drives that bus. I kind of think Arizona might have a little bit of an edge here. Oregon's going to be in the mix. UCLA is going to be in the mix. So again, the Pac-12 is going to be very competitive between those four teams, and then it's going to be everybody else. Um, and then a Baylor. Of course, you can't count out Baylor. Um, you know, with, with Kim Mulkey as head coach, they're not really going to ever not be in it. I mean, she's recruited well. She's got some really good players coming back. So, I mean, those are some teams I'm going to be interested to watch um, and on the women's side. And then, of course, in the ACC, being an ACC guy, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how all that kind of uh, kind of all 
uh, falls out. Um, you know, what is Notre Dame going to do first year under Neil Ivey? Um, they look like they're going to come back uh, with some more experience. Um, you know, I think they're definitely going to be better than they were last season. But then where will they rank with a Louisville? So a Louisville team that's very good under Jeff Waltz, um, a North Carolina team that um, that has come back from, um, you know, kind of having not such a great season a couple of years ago. They, you know, really kind of got it going under new head coach and now, you know, looking to make more progress in her second season. So, again, uh, women's going to be fun to watch on the men's side. So let's look at the men's side. So on the men's side, um, we have uh, seven from the Big Ten in the top 25, four from the ACC, two from the SEC, five from the Big 12. Three from the Pac-12, one from West from the West Coast Conference has number one Gonzaga. Um, the American Conference has one, and the Big East has two. So the teams I'm looking forward to looking at in the, on the men's side. So Illinois. So I really want to see them. I've read a little bit about them. I'm interested to see you know them play. I don't know much about them, but I'm interested to see them play. Um, I read up, up on one of their players, a couple of their players today. Um, and it looks like they're going to have for our break, like a nice, um, a, a nice backcourt. So we'll see how you know that pans out for them um, in the ACC. So Virginia, Duke, Florida State, North Carolina. So Florida State's the defending conference champion. North Carolina had an abysmal season last year. So um, uh, they've got uh, a nice complement of players coming back. They've got some young talent. Um they're hungry. I mean, they're hungry to kind of, you know, make up for last season. So we'll see how that's going to go uh, with Duke. You know what you're going to get. You're going to get veteran guys. Coach K always reloads and brings in really good talent. Um, I can't remember a lot of the guys' names, but I do remember, you know, with their um, the guys coming back. Uh, Jordan Goldwire, Matthew Hurt. I mean, their Goldwire is going to be the guy. He's going to lead this thing. Um, but Hurt is coming back um, with, with uh, you know, he's going to also play a big role in this too. But again, they're going to be the guys who are going to lead and kind of mentor the younger guys into playing really good Duke basketball. And then, of course, Virginia. Virginia technically is defending national champions. Um, what we're expecting from them is for them to shoot much better from the three-point line. Uh, bringing in Sam Hauser, who transferred from Marquette. He sat out last season. Um, he's a career 41% from the three-point line. Virginia shot somewhere in the 30% range last season. So that, that put them like 300th or something, some ridiculous um, position in three-point shooting. So although they were trending in the right direction as tournament time came up and things got canceled, um, they definitely need some help. So if Sam Hauser comes out and just blows everyone doors off with shooting, um, if Jay Huff can get in, he gets his shots, protect the rim. Um, if Casey Marcel can get his shots because they've got a proven point guard in, in Kihei Clark, Virginia is probably looking like a Final Four team. But again, um, they've got to run the gauntlet in the ACC. It was a 20-game schedule. They got to run the gauntlet. So, And as you saw last year, it wasn't an easy gauntlet considering you know they're going to defend well. But the, the, the shooting was not there. So if they can defend well, which you know they will. If the shooting comes around, they're going to they're going to run the gauntlet fairly unscathed. But um, it's going to really, you know, really put something on them. But again, like I said, last year, they start getting hot at the right time. So if they can be steady and consistent all season. They should be OK. Gonzaga, they are the preseason number one from the West Coast Conference. So Mark Few is looking to put that one feather in his cap that he hasn't had. He has not won a national championship. And I've had years where I had Gonzaga winning this thing because they've had the teams. A lot of the scoring gone from last season. They've got one veteran who contributed from scoring standpoint last year. He's going to be the guy. So can Gonzaga finish the deal this year? I mean, again, it's going to be interesting to watch, but they're usually the team to beat in the West Coast Conference. Um, Baylor, um, you know, Baylor is, you know, made it interesting last year against Kansas in the Big 12. Um, Iowa's got consensus uh, preseason uh, player of the year, Luca Garza. Um, he's going to be a force for that team. So Iowa, how Luca Garza goes, Iowa will go. 
and Villanova. Villanova is also looking like a Final Four team. So they have a really good opportunity to help Jay Wright win his third national title as their head coach. So, I mean, a lot of teams. I mean, you know, the, the, the landscape is very open here. But there are a lot of teams that have the, you know, the opportunity and the ability, ability to win this thing. But again, at the end of the day, just don't know until it all kind of pans out uh, at the end of the season here. So um, I have a ha, 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 I'm trying to find the schedule again. So I wrote out some of the games of note for I mean, because, you know, the, the, the list of games is very long, as I talked about a moment ago. But um, as of right now, on November 25th, the haha, if I can find the top 25, which I cannot find the top 25 version of this, um, the games of note here um, on uh, the 25th, a couple days from now, uh, number four, Virginia takes on Maine. So that's at the Mohegan Sun. Uh, number eight, Illinois takes on North Carolina A&T. And Baylor and Arizona State, I believe that game is still on. I feel like that game is still on. No, Baylor and Arizona State has been canceled, so I can scratch that off the list. And actually, that was one of the games I was looking forward to. Uh, Arizona State coached by former Duke uh, uh, star uh, Bobby Hurley. Um, you know, they that team plays like him. Um, they've got a consensus All-American in Remy Martin. So, I mean um, – uh, it's a shame, but I mean, this this is what we're dealing with with COVID. Uh, on the 26th, I believe we still, so now I got to double check this. I wrote these out a few days ago and all these cancellations are kind of throwing a, uh, a, oh God, why did these uh, ads play? Be quiet. Um, <laughs> so uh, on the 26th, number one, Gonzaga takes on number six, Kansas. I think that's going to be the game of the day. Um, so again, that's going to be one of those games where, you know, if Gonzaga wins, because again, it's not going to be easy out against Kansas, then we get to see how good Kansas is. How good will Kansas be uh, in regard to Baylor? Baylor is the second ranked team. So Baylor is ranked higher than Kansas and their Big 12 foes. You know, they're going to go at it. They really had a really good series last season. Uh, and then on the 29th, we have... Houston and Texas Tech. I believe that game is still on. It is not on the cancel list as of right now. Uh, number 17, Houston will take on number 14, Texas Tech. So Texas Tech was the runner-up a couple years ago um, in the national championship game against Virginia. They have gone out and they they have you know brought in a number of players. One in particular, Mac McClung, who transferred from Georgetown into the program. And I believe he is immediately immediately eligible to play. All right, so um, when I come back again, so I'm gonna take another quick break. And when I come back, I'm kind of go into the coaching situation. And, you know, I wanted to do this as a, uh, as a sports wagon sprint, but I figure there's no better time than the present because there's so much upheaval uh, in the college football world with coaches right now and talking about coaches getting opportunities. And we can kind of talk a little bit also about uh, other leagues and college sports in regards to their coaching and hiring practices back. All right. Welcome back again. Thanks for continuing to rock with me. So don't forget to hit me up on Twitter. It, it, it's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Um, Twitter, Instagram, hit me up, follow, like, um, you know, don't forget to um, subscribe to the podcast, um, send me a voicemail, uh, hit me up on Twitter, what have you. So, again, as I mentioned, this is kind of something I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, we got to talk so much about coaching changes and opportunity on the show. And um, so the way I want to start this off, because there's so much upheaval in the world of college football right now or potential upheaval. There's only been about three firings so far, but one has really been the big firing with South Carolina firing Will Muschamp uh, about a week ago. Um, so I take you back to last Saturday. So the Michigan Rutgers game. So in those two, in this game, you have two coaches. So on one side for Rutgers is Greg Schiano. So Greg Schiano, once upon a time, was so this is the second go round with Rutgers. Hopefully you are familiar with that. So when he was at Rutgers the first time, he um, put Rutgers on the map. So I believe at this particular point in time, Rutgers was still in the Big East. 
Um, they were nationally ranked, uh, had some really big games that they won, went to bowl games. And subsequently, because of his success, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tapped him as their coach. He went to the NFL and subsequently he did horribly. So there's kind of one thing that we look at here that when you're the hot name on the block, it typically can either go well for you or go horribly. So I've seen this a lot in college basketball. There's been a number of coaches who were the hot name at that particular time. You had one or two hot seasons. Then you get hired. I think what Billy Kennedy, I think it happened to him. He ended up getting hired at, uh, I believe, Kentucky. And he was hot for one or two seasons. He gets there. He fails miserably. And they run him out of the town. Okay. So it's kind of a 50-50 gamble. So that's when, you know, you go from I'm coaching this one team and you end up getting this big opportunity. So you're on the big stage. So do you perform or do you crap your pants? Again, 50-50 shot. So Shiano, after Tampa Bay, he went to Ohio State as a coordinator. He almost got the Tennessee job. <laughs> now, if you remember the debacle that was the Tennessee hiring, so I'll kind of get to Tennessee in a minute. If you remember the debacle that was the Tennessee hiring, he probably would have probably been a better choice because Jeremy Pruitt, their current coach, he's in year three. At the beginning of the season, they gave him a big extension, which I'm thinking to myself, why? I think most people are asking why you haven't done anything. So as I mentioned, Tennessee has started start the season two and zero. Since then, they have dropped five straight. So here's the problem with that, as far as Pruitt situation. A lot of people think that you know, uh, well Pruitt, you know, he's out of here. Not so fast. The extension, the extension, um, was for twelve point eight million. So that's the amount that Tennessee would have to pay him if they if they kicked him out. If they fired him, they they he's there on the hook for twelve point eight million. But that's just him to get rid of the staff. That's nineteen point two million. So Tennessee is on the hook for a lot of money because they gave an extension to a guy that they really didn't need to give an extension to. So at the end of the day, <laughs> maybe Tennessee. But again, there was a whole lot of. Um, you know, Tennessee fans start a lot of rancor with, um, I forget the whole story. Oh, Shiana was at Penn State at one time. So they start a whole lot of rancor about when he was at Penn State, what he saw, who he knew, blah, 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 blah. As far as the Jared Sandusky situation, they started that situation. Uh, Shiana was like, look, no, none of that's true. And they backed off. So again, that was really messed up. So now he's back at Rutgers. Okay. And the other corners, Jim Harbaugh. So we've talked about Harbaugh a few times on the show in the last few weeks. So Jim Harbaugh, number one, he's hasn't renegotiated a new contract with Michigan. He has one more season. Um, now, the talk here is that what I think is going to happen to Jim Harbaugh is very simple, that they're going to force his hand to say, OK, we keep you around another season. You're going to have to make some changes in your staff. What I'm thinking here is he'll do it because he wants to keep his job because in very there's very few situations I've seen coaches hang on. I mean, there are some situations, but most of the time, if your athletic director comes to you and says, look, you want to keep your job, you need to make some changes in your staff. And I think, you know, what changes you need to make. Sometimes they're very direct and say, you need to get rid of them, them and them. Or they'll say, you know, what changes you need to make, you know, your season, fix it. So. He's probably going to have to get rid of his defensive coordinator because Don Brown's defense is, you know, is like an open book. People know how to scheme against it. So and he might have to make some other changes to save his neck. Now, again, we've seen situations where coaches didn't do that. Les Miles is a great example of LSU. He wasn't willing to change his offense. He lasted, I think, what, three or four games at LSU before they gave him the boot. As Ogeron comes in as interim coach. They named him full-time coach, and you know how that ended up for Ed Ogeron. He wins the national championship with Joe Burrow. Um, so more than likely what will end up happening is but Harbaugh will get another year. But what happens if next season goes not so great or 
they underperform. Maybe they win some games, but they still don't win a Big Ten championship. They still can't be Ohio State. They can't get a smell of the college football playoff. Well, Jim Harbaugh will probably go back to the NFL because there will probably be opportunities. Hell, there are opportunities now in the NFL that that are probably going to come open. So, I mean, it, it all depends on what Michigan wants. Um, but it's interesting to me how Jim Harbaugh has had success at Stanford, big success at Stanford. Uh, he was successful in the NFL in San Francisco. I mean, they went to the Super Bowl. And then Michigan, his alma mater, I think I talked about this last, last episode, he's 50-50. So, I mean, um, but again, he'll probably get another chance. You know, Shiano, he got a chance. Will Shiano go back to the NFL? Probably not. I mean, he's been there, done that. I mean, we've seen college coaches go to the NFL and come back and go, hey, I think I'm a better college coach. Or it was pretty clear you're a better college coach because you weren't cutting the NFL. I think Nick Saban comes to mind. We all remember that debacle in Miami. Um, but, you know, we see a lot of recycling of coaches in the NBA. There are a lot of good coaches in the NBA, but, you know, and a lot of them do well in one place and maybe they don't do so well elsewhere and then go somewhere else and do well. So sometimes you get coaches who, you know, maybe it's the situation. Um, you know, you think of somebody like Stan Van Gundy. So when we last met with Stan Van Gundy, he was doing two jobs. He was both GM and head coach, which is a recipe for disaster. You need to focus on one and let someone else do the other job. Um, now he's going to New Orleans and, you know, they're trying to build a team that he can, you know, because he's a teacher. So he'll be able to teach these young guys how to play well within themselves and how to play well together. So we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, I mentioned on a previous show, the NFL's new policy, how they're going to give draft picks to a team. If they, if they groom someone, a, a minority, a, a black coach who uh, gets hired, which I'm going, okay, well, first of all, um, you know, with the Rooney rule in place, okay, first of all, it's probably going to be better policy to not just, interview a black coach, but to actually hire a black coach, because what we're seeing is this. Now, last go around was a little bit different. So if I recall correctly, most of the coaches who were hired were not recycled coaches. They were just coaches who were, you know, on other staffs and got a head, head coaching job. But again, you know, in the NFL, the NBA, we see a lot of recycling um, somewhat in college football, not as much. But essentially, you know, I guess my big point here is, you know, why are we recycling when there are so many assistants who are looking for an opportunity? Now, if you've got a head coach, someone who's head coaching somewhere and they've shown a track record over a number of years of success, maybe they've had success at one school or they've gone to two or three schools or organizations and they've had a track record of success and that's fine. Then, okay, I get it. You know, you want somebody who has experience. Okay. I can kind of, I can kind of accept that. But my whole thing is, you know, you have to begin to open the door of opportunity to a new generation of coaches um, you know, kind of going back to some of the things I talked about earlier with some of the college football stuff, you know, um, South Carolina, the South Carolina job is open. Um, South Carolina has already talked to Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze is at Liberty. He said no. He's um, he was at Ole Miss. He beat Nick Saban twice when he was there. Uh, Hugh Freeze is like, nah, I'm good. So, um, South Carolina is considering a lot of options. So, a couple things that they are. Um, thinking about, especially in the age of Black Lives Matter, is now, and, and, and as I'm saying this, I read this earlier, and as I'm saying this, I'm going, well, is this really a good reason to hire a Black coach? Because they're saying, you know, they want a coach who can relate to players, but is sensitive to um, the needs of the players as far as them expressing themselves as far as social activism. Now, as I say that to myself, I go, hmm, that's suspicious to me as well, because coaches who come in and coach should be open to players wanting to express themselves there in college. So I'm saying if players want to be you know, socially active and they want to engage in activism, 
it doesn't matter coach is white, black, or whatever, that coach should be, should be open to wanting the players to engage in social activism, whether it be, you know, wearing a patch on a, uh, you know, on a uniform, on a helmet, or actually organizing to uh, do things in the community. But to that end, just to kind of read the report that I read, South Carolina is also considering, you know, they're looking at Folks like Tony Elliott, who is the offensive coordinator at Clemson, who, again, he has, I don't know, again, I don't know how many offers he's gotten. Like I said, you know, his name comes up in a lot of these coaching searches, and I think it's past time. It's overdue for him to get a job, to get a head coaching job. And again, like I said, sometimes people get jobs and they feel it's not the right fit. It's not time. I'm not ready, whatever. But they're talking to, you know, some sources are saying that he's someone that South Carolina is targeting because Hugh Freeze is not interested. Uh, Pep Hamilton, I think he is the quarterback's coach for the Rams, I believe. Um, he spent some time at Stanford with um, uh, their current head coach, whose name is escaping me right this second. Um, and then Jay Norvell, who is the head coach at Nevada. So, I mean, again, um, you know, South Carolina is kind of spreading the net, casting the net wide. But Jay Norvell is also uh, somebody whose name is coming up for the Arizona job because Kevin Sumlin, he's a little bit on the hot seat. There was, I mean, he he was you know dismissed from Texas A and M, and then they hired Jim Jim uh, Jimbo Fisher. He immediately goes to Arizona, gets their head coaching job, and really hasn't gone that well at Arizona. So, um, you know, at, at least there, you know, some people feel like that that's the better fit. Um, but some people are just saying that, you know, um, he might be the guy there if Kevin Sumlin is dismissed. Um, and then of course, you know, Tennessee, uh, with that buyout that they pretty much walked themselves into, um, a lot of people are thinking that, you know, maybe not this year, but maybe next year, you know, maybe Hugh Freeze might want to come to Tennessee. A lot of people feel Hugh Freeze is a better fit at Tennessee. Um, and then, of course, folks are thinking that the Tennessee might get a little bit more aggressive if South Carolina gets more aggressive with the uh, with it, with the offer, because the president of South Carolina is really, 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 really wants Hugh Freeze to coach that football team. But I, I don't know. Um, anything's possible. He's saying no right now. But, you know, you know how it goes. Money talks. But um, at the end of the day, you know, this. It, it, it astounds me, at least on the men's side, it astounds me how many coaches just get recycled through and through. And in, in, bas in, in college basketball, I feel like there's more more assistance. Well, it might be about 50 50. Um, you get some assistants that get jobs, but most of the time, you know, you get head coaches and mid major jobs who kind of get bumped up to um, these major uh, conference jobs. On the women's side, I think I talked about this. I, episode 24, I talked about this, where um, there are uh, 200 and, um, well, I find the number here, um, significant numbers in the assistant ranks. So 209 head coaches, 25% uh, of them are women of color at the division one level. And, oh, I'm sorry, um, they're significant numbers of women of color in the assistant ranks on the women's side um, and they are getting opportunities and they are ready and willing for opportunities. There are opportunities that are there. It's just, you know, one, I think one uh, assistant who was at Texas A&M, she mentioned that, you know, it's not about just taking any opportunity. It's about, as I mentioned, the right opportunity. So many are holding out to say, okay, if you get an opportunity, is this the opportunity that will fit you. So um, I don't know. I, I really feel like there's just too many bodies in at these levels for us to keep, you know, turning over the same names and the same people every time. But in the NFL, it still is problematic because, again, like I said, it's very much the old boy network. Um, in college football, I kind of feel like it's kind of a little bit of that, too. Um, because again, you know, if you think about, you know, the percentage of, you know, you can kind of say, I think it would be fair to say 
that the numbers that you see in the NFL, a lot of it is reflected in college football. That there are a lot of black players, and if you think at look at the assistant ranks, there probably aren't as many assistant uh, black assistant coaches and coordinators, and then a head coaching level. Forget it, there aren't that many. Um, I don't know the numbers at the D one level, but you can look. Uh, I mean, off the top of my head, what Derek Mason at Vanderbilt. So I mentioned Vanderbilt earlier. Uh, he signed an extension in 2019 and they're 0-7. And he's been there for several years and it just hasn't gone well for him. And he's, uh, I believe he's formerly a defensive coordinator. And um, their athletic director at Vanderbilt, Candace Story Lee, she's a black woman. And the talk is, you know, a lot of people are like, well, does she really want to give him the axe considering that Vanderbilt is trying to upgrade their facilities. They're trying to move forward and they're kind of saying, well, for me to move forward, how do I do it when our football program is not really in good hands and hasn't really made a lot of progress in this head coach. So um, I really don't envy her position, but at the same time too, if they let him go, then the question is who do they bring in? Do they look, at his current staff? Do they look at somebody like a Tony Elliott, a Pep Hamilton, a Jay Norvell, or who, uh, or any other black assistant coach that can come in, be innovative, that can lead the team in all aspects, on the field, off the field, in the community. And also the big thing that is important now, much more important now is, can they come in and be a positive influence and allow these players to engage in that social activism because that's very important because you know it you know that's what college is all about it's about you know that experience amongst your peers and learning not just more about becoming a better person from an academic standpoint but becoming a better person um in the world you know learning more about other people's cultures but at the same time too you know helping people to respect cultures other cultures and and also that black lives do do truly matter um in an age where it seems like it does not and that is kind of where you know i i kind of leave because you know this all kind of circles back to you know a lot of the you know things that have been happening over the last few months you know things that kicked off during the summer and you know in my episode, my, my sports wagon sprint, where I talked about, you know, Clemson head coach Davos Sweeney, you know, it just seems like it just doesn't end with this guy, you know, you know, first it's, you know, he says all these things about, you know, the kneeling. And this is a few years ago. He said that then, you know, I talked about the guy who writes for, you know, some Clemson website and he's like, well, why do these journalists always come in and ask all these gotcha questions? It's like, because your coach will shut his mouth. It's like, okay, dude, Say less and maybe people won't drill you about it because we now know how you feel. I mean, it's obvious you have all these black players, but clearly you don't respect them like you say you do because you still have all these really jacked up <laughs> opinions about things. And then, of course, he accuses his opposing coach that they didn't want to play. I mean, the gall of this guy. But, you know. He'll get another job because when Alabama calls, when Nick Saban retires, they're calling Dabo Sweeney. And I guarantee you, they will offer Dabo, they will offer Dabo enough money. They will definitely offer Dabo enough money to make that move. I guarantee to you. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, as my computer decides to do something weird here, because I'm trying not to play music here. Oh my gosh, what just happened here? <laughs> my computer went to sleep and I can't wake it up. There we go. All right. So, <laughs> yeah, the behind the scenes and the technical difficulties of recording a podcast. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for, for listening. Um, I hope to hit you with another episode later in the week because, again, I want to talk more college basketball. I, I'm ready to watch some games. I'm ready to, you know, kind of break it all down and, and I mean, I'm hoping there's an NCAA tournament, but we'll see how that goes. But um, but this is where it all begins. So do we get a tournament this year? 
let's cross our fingers. But I mean, again, um, the practical side of me says mm, it's not looking too good because that wave is coming. Um, and with Thanksgiving on the way, there are a lot of people who are hitting the road <laughs> and that's a terrible idea. But again, wherever you are, whatever you do during this holiday season, as we start the holiday season, uh, please be mindful of that. Wear your masks, be safe, protect yourself, do all you can to stay healthy because, you know, the, the more you do for yourself, that helps everyone around you. And hopefully that can keep the the COVID down as much as possible until we can finally get some resolution to this and we can hopefully in about three or four years from now get back to our normal life because that's about how long it's going to take so do your history if you have read up on the the flu pandemic of 1919-1918-1919 it took probably about three years for us to get back on track so at this rate considering we are about two about a year or two behind the curve here it's going to take another three years for us to get back to quote normal so if this is the way of the world sports is not going to be the same until we get COVID under control and COVID control starts with each one of us it's just that simple guys so get ready for what is to come but stay safe enjoy your holiday hopefully i'll talk to you guys later in the week we'll talk some basketball uh, whatever else comes up as the week goes on. And I got to pick my 10 games. I'm picking 10 games this week. The Tennessee Vanderbilt game is off the table because I really don't care. 0-7 versus 2-5. You do the math. Never mind. It's a rivalry game. Throw the records out. I'm still not picking it. Anyway, hit me up on Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Thank you very much. Enjoy your evening as I go. The Rams are up on the Buccaneers 24 to 17 with 539 left in the third quarter. Enjoy the rest of the evening. Take care of yourself and I'll see you later.